Hello everybody and welcome back to the Technical Area the Football Manager Podcast brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Graymo once again. I think it's safe to say that Football Manager 2024 is not disappointing in terms of goal excitement. Now while real world football numbers, I think I heard the Premier League's number of goals per game has topped three per game so far this season. I think what we're seeing the football manager is three would be a very uneventful game going by what we can uh, achieve in this year's version with goals galore seeming to be a, a common occurrence in many, many games. Fortunately for me, I've just finished pre-season with FC Basel. I've yet to start into a proper second season with Borussia Dortmund as I try and work my way through and up to date with, with um, Basel. So as things stand for me, my football manager adventure is taking off very, very slowly. Whether it continues to be that way, I presume so. Had the unfortunate thought occurred to me last evening that with my real world safe database being used, it is very possible that I will not be signing a player in my puzzle safe until may june of next year in real life when i actually get my end of season transfer budget should i see the season out which can't be seen as a given seeing that not too long ago basil did a real life manager change so in my own optimism i'd like to think that by six seven months time down the road i'll be able to start signing players for the save but as things stand, it's going to be a long, patient, and slow save, to say the least. Even testing my slowness of playing the game to the limits. Now, this week, speaking of goal fests, let's talk about what Jonathan Milson once called as the outsider. Let's talk about the player who is anti-football. The player whose job it is to prevent what the game is about. Let's talk about the goalkeeper. Now Ivan Bias, and I said this before, I don't know if it was a technical area episode or if it was a football manager notebook. Back in those days, one of those podcasts that, look, my playing career, Sunday League all the way up to the relevant levels here that were still amateur. It was a goalkeeper. I played as... And it's how I see the game and I suppose whether or not you can count yourself if you played Sunday League goalkeeper to be part of the goalkeeping union might be a stretch. I don't know, but that's how I see myself to a point. I see the game, I suppose, a little bit differently than those who didn't play in the position, understanding that. This is a position that, you know, is a sensitive position on the pitch. It's a position which does not necessarily follow, I suppose, the rules of the game. It doesn't, well, it does follow the rules of the game. That's, that's a silly way of putting it. But it's a position that doesn't exactly follow the, the purpose of the game. It's a position that stands out in every regard. It is a position that's so different to every other position on the pitch, that for many, just signing, having a decent goalkeeper and goal on football manager is just enough. 
and anybody can do it, as we all love to see from those <laughs> lovely goalkeeping shirts that have appeared online recently, like of Olivier Giroud's name on the back when he made a stellar cameo for AC Milan not too long ago. But when it comes to the goalkeeping position, we are now at a point in history where goalkeepers are making a bigger change in football than we've ever seen before. We're looking at a position now that is so subject to change that the actual nature of the position is nearly being called into question at times. And it's gotten to the point where it's even become a topic, a headline piece on articles, on websites like The Athletic, on podcasts. That, you know, it's just the goalkeeping position is changing, football is changing. And what is expected of a goalkeeper now is totally different. If you think of a goalkeeper whose handling is 15, area reach 15, command of area 14, whose tendency to punch is just five, but has got 16 reflexes, and passing is 14, kicking is 14. You've got a goalkeeper whose balance is 15, decisions is 13, strength is 13. You'd be thinking you're on to a winner. But when you compare him to a goalkeeper, say perhaps, who's got 16 handling, 16 aerial reach, balance, maybe a 10, 11, decisions, ooh, 15, 14, strength, ooh, 10, 11, 12, maybe, tendency to punch, just a 10, but 19 reflexes. Passing, ooh, nine at best. Kicking, 14, not bad at all. But command of area is just nine. You've got the profile there of two completely different goalkeepers. The first keeper you look at there, you know, we spoke about has, you know, decent aerial reach, decent command of area. Right, his handling reflexes are nowhere near as good as the second keeper there but we've got a keeper who's got better balance we've got a keeper who's got better decision making ish <laughs> you're looking at two different keepers two different profiles and in this nature i suppose you're looking at building a team differently if you've got one or the other in goal now, the two keepers who I used for that reference point there were Andre Onana, who was the first goalkeeper, and David De Gea. Because there we had one of the big conversations over the summer. We had two goalkeepers where what we were getting from the two of them is two completely different profiles of the game. Now, two different profiles of goalkeepers in the modern game and a position that is now beginning to transition away from what David De Gea was for Manchester United, what David De Gea is as a goalkeeper, and what Andre Onana offers in his stead. 
And when it comes to measuring the metrics of goalkeepers, this is where things can get very, very interesting as well. Because when you look at statistics of a goalkeeper, what is it that matters? What is it that makes the difference? And if you go into the comparison screen on Football Manager, where you want to compare two goalkeepers, you're given a list of five stats per 90 minutes. So what we see here, these are the stats that the game wants us to focus on. Conceded per 90 minutes, assisted per 90 minutes, pass completion ratio, total saves per 90, and average rating. Now for you, these metrics may not set it apart. For you, these metrics may not give you just exactly what it is that you need. These metrics, you are not getting a full insight. Maybe you want to go in and look at saves parried versus saves handled. Maybe you want to look at expected goals prevented. Whatever it is, statistically speaking, you want, we need to begin to define the metrics of a goalkeeper and understand ourselves, what is it that we expect to see from our goalkeepers? And what is it that will make them stand out for us? And if you, I'm looking here now on my player search screen, I'm just focusing on my scouted players and I'm doing a quick search of goalkeepers. When I want to look at the overview then, I go into stats, I go into club, and again, I'm getting a set of statistics that may not apply to me here. We're getting a set of statistics where you know, now the game is bringing up statistics such as pass completion, tackles per 90, which absolutely does not apply to my goalkeeper. So what is it then I need to see? What is it then I want from my keeper? And the problem then is, if you go online, where there's so many fantastic resources now about the data analytics of goalkeepers and about understanding the goalkeeping position, all of a sudden, we have to then begin to make the realisation that football manager determines key metrics in a different way. That football manager does not gather data and generate data in the same way that we would expect it to be generated in real life. So straight away, we can't look at real life. We can't look at it and say, okay, what do I do here? What you can do is when you look at real life, you can begin to see the process of how statistics need to be generated for your goalkeeper. Unfortunately, even when you go into like the squad view, you enter your squad, you change the view to, goal, to stats and goalkeeper, what we see again is very limited. Appearances, clean sheets, conceded, save percentage, expected save percentage but again with expected save percentage we are now beginning to see the opportunity to look at newer metrics we're beginning to see now what it is that makes a goalkeeper valuable for us and if you notice there that list i gave you from the squad view that's generated there it does not include pass percentage 
and not including past percentage makes an interesting note that is this a key metric then that we need to determine our goalkeepers by? And if you customize your current view by stats and go like that down to chalkboard, we can begin then to look and see right, what is it that we need from our goalkeeper. So expected goals prevented per 90, expected goals prevented total. Again, we're now looking at metrics generated from what it is our goalkeeper is. Some goalkeepers are sweeper keepers. Will you include interceptions per 90 there? Will you begin to see maybe metrics that you want, like that clearances per 90 minutes, or clearances, or blocks? Will they matter? It's a goalkeeper. It's very unlikely that you will get things here. Progressive passes, again, is this going to actually be important to your goalkeeper? Well, if you consider a goalkeeper's position, you'd be nearly seeing 100% of passes from a goalkeeper are progressive. So things like pass completion percentage, these are going to then give you that insight into what it is you want to see from your goalkeeper. But of course then there's the issue with football managers data, remove, de deleting at the end of every in-game season for you. So again, the importance of having a rolling save file there that you can dip in and out. Maybe you wish to export the data, use Excel. Again, there's fantastic videos online. We've seen the Python videos doing the rounds recently where, I can't remember the name of the YouTuber off the top of my head, but use Python, the coding, the, 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 the coding program, to use code to begin to identify targets and understand what targets he needed to reach for his QPR side, in this case, to reach promotion. There is one interesting caveat then that comes from a goalkeeper that needs to be considered as well. And it can impact not just the goalkeeper but other positions as well on the pitch. Is that the importance of how the team that they play for is set up. And of course understanding the standard that this team is playing at. So for example we think of some great examples of goalkeepers that stand out across the course of a season. Many of them tend to be busier goalkeepers. And if there's a busier goalkeeper, you're looking at a side that is struggling. So when they make the move in real life, these goalkeepers, to the bigger clubs, one of the biggest adjustments they have to do is they have to expect to do less in a match when they're called upon to do it better than they have before. So in real life, you want to be able to put an awful lot of weight in the goalkeeper's concentration levels. Because they won't be involved in the game as much. You want your goalkeeper to be able to read the game. To, to, be in to be able to provide interceptions almost. In the sweeper-keeper approach. If that's the goalkeeper you want. You've got to then take into consideration the importance of the defensive structure. If a team is very defensive in nature. Maybe this goalkeeper will not face many shots on target. And instead will provide say aerial dominance. Because opposition like that are forced to be long, direct and high with their balls into the box and having a goalkeeper who's aerially dominant, who has a good command of the area, this will then begin to persuade, oh sorry, to, not persuade, but to tilt the statistics. So, 
one possible consideration in this regard is if you have identified a potential new goalkeeper signing, if you have the available scouts and budget to do so, ask a scout to get a full scouting report done of that team as if they are an upcoming opponent. Because that way will give you an understanding of what it is the goalkeeper in question is a part of. Because like that, we we see differences between what we in football manager than we do in real life. We will expect differences here. Now, when it comes to the goalkeeping position, I'm making changes there. I have an unfortunate track record over the previous few versions of football manager where I bring in a goalkeeper very quickly into my new side, whoever it is I manage. I think back to FM20. When I took over at Rain, I moved on Edward Mendy very quickly and brought in Alexander Schwalow. I moved to Bayern Munich. Manuel Neuer retired. I brought in Wolliker Farines. And then I moved on to Juventus. And then I brought in a Brazilian new-gen goalkeeper. So three clubs in, a, in one version of Football Manager, three clubs in the same universe. And within that first se- season, by the end of that first summer, I had a new goalkeeper in charge to who I had at the beginning. Now, while that trend has continued for me to a point, I at Utrecht last year, I removed Martin Pies as the number one, put my trust in Fabian de Kaiser, and he left then just going into our final season. This season with with Arendelle, I kept with Matthias Skevesked, with <laughs> Sampdoria. There was drama because like that, there was the Emil Odero incident, which led to the Vladimir Falcone incident, which led to Gavin Bazunu coming in in January. So I went through three goalkeepers very quickly in that first season. And then rocking up to Borussia Dortmund, I started with Gregor Kobel in goal. I don't know about you, but when I look at Gregor Kobel in real life, I don't get the feeling of a goalkeeper that I want to build a team around. Of. Now, Gregor Kobel is a Swiss international goalkeeper. Gregor Kobel is a very, very good goalkeeper. You don't play for a club like Bruce, you don't. You don't play the Bundesliga level if you are not a very good goalkeeper. And Gregor Kobel is. But for me, when I took the job and I play with a sweeper keeper and I look at the statistics of Gregor Kobel, he ticked every box I needed. But I had one major concern. And that was his eccentricity attribute. Gregor Kobold's eccentricity attribute in my save is a 15. Eccentricity reflects a goalkeeper's tendency to do the unexpected with or without the ball. So in my head, Gregor Kobold is a modern day Bruce Grobbler. A fantastic goalkeeper. 17 aerial reach, 16 one-on-ones, 16 communication, 17 reflexes, 17 composure, 17 jumping reach. 
this is a goalkeeper I could really build around. And I did. Gregor Coburn almost made it unnecessary for me to train in defending corners in Football Manager 23 because he just dominated. Any corner that came in, he got on the end of. And giving his tendency to punch is only 10. I was looking at a very dominant goalkeeper who caught the ball, which helped us regain possession. And then I could use, because I use a sweeper-keeper, because I look for a goalkeeper who's got good kicking and passing, which he has 13 and 14 in those two areas, I had a goalkeeper I could play football with. However, when it came to January in my save, I was faced with a big issue. Gregor Colbert had attracted interest from Tottenham, from Manchester United and Benfica. While a bid from Tottenham never came true, Benfica made a €30 million Euro bid, which then became 37.5, before Manchester United followed in with a €50 million Euro bid. So here I have a dominant goalkeeper, subject to a €50 million Euro bid, which, in my head, financial sense, a cold, logical side of my brain said, do it. But any time I've ever changed goalkeeper mid-season like this, it has not worked. So knowing what I wanted to achieve with this Dortmund side, knowing that a title challenge was there, I kept Coble. Now as I sit here and my in-game date is July 9th, Gregor Coble is wanted by Tottenham on transfer. So I'm looking at beginning my next season with Gregor Coble potentially gone from the club. However, I look at what has happened in real life this summer. And this is where I took inspiration for my next move. This summer in the Premier League, we saw a lot of goalkeeping changes at clubs. Hugo Lloris was stepping away from looking to seek a move away from Tottenham. Brentford were very very well aware of the interest in David Raya and brought in Mark Flecken very early. And as we saw at um, Brighton Robert Sanchez again was subject to a lot of interest and we saw the arrival of Bart Verbruggen very quickly now, the case here of Brentford with David Raya is the one that struck with me most because the way in which Brentford transitioned from Raya to Flecken I felt and from what I've read from the Athletic pieces and a few other articles that I've read was very seamless so what they did was, when it came to pre-season training, David Raya's presence was event was minimalised out, was transitioned away, that the team transitioned to being Mark Flecken's team. So that when David Raya made the move away to Arsenal at the end of the window, it did not disrupt the squad because the squad had prepared for the season with the full intention of playing with Mark Flecken as their goalkeeper. So taking this transitionary style away uh, and bringing it to my own football manager save, I began the process then of saying, right, I'm going to spend the final five, six months of my season Seeking out 
Gregor Koble's replacement because I fully expect interest to be picked up in the summer for Gregor Koble and I will have his number one ready, his replacement ready and that Gregor Koble can move on and be replaced by my new goalkeeper. Now obviously football manager is not going to work seamlessly. It's not going to happen. Taking a look at the dynamics and the situation regarding uh, Gregor Koble. In terms of the hierarchy, Gregor Koble is, let me see, Gregor Koble is extremely high up my pyramid. He is a highly influential player. In terms of the social groups, again, there we'll find Gregor Koble in the core social group. So I have Gregor Koble here now. And I have a player with a massive presence in the squad. A key cornerstone of the squad. And I know I'm going to have to replace him with someone who could potentially rise into this highly influential player bracket. And I need a player then in terms of the social groups who will fit into that group and not upset things too much. So, setting up a recruitment focus based on Gregor Koble. Obviously, that looks at attributes initially. I was able then to identify a couple of new potential goalkeeping signings. Unfortunately, from this point, I was then able to identify the goalkeeper, who it is that I wanted to bring in. And very, very fortunately, goalkeeper came in with a very good scout recommendation. I think it was an A minus. This goalkeeper comes in ticking every box that I need. And now, as I prepare for my next season, Alban Lafont, a 12.5 million euro arrival from Nantes, will take over for me. So. Is it going to make much of a difference? Yes, it will. These are different goalkeepers. You just look simply at the attributes and you can see, okay, Koble is slightly better in terms of the goalkeeping attributes. Koble's better aerial reach. Koble has is better in one-on-one -on -one situations and he's slightly sharper reflexes. So I'm looking at a slight drop off between the two. Mentally speaking as well, you look at Koble's attributes, his anticipation, his composure and his concentration are, are, better, are better than what LaFont is. And physically speaking, LaFont is actually a better goalkeeper in terms of the acceleration and agility, the attributes that the game highlights. However, it doesn't take an awful lot of research on the internet to look and see that football manager sees attributes differently and their influence on the goalkeeping position than what we would expect and would anticipate. Now, I'll have links down below to the two videos that I watched here, one from Zealand and one from, I think it's Stib Gaming, S-T-Y-B-B. Apologies if I pronounced that wrong. Both of these guys went away and... Ran some tests, you know, and 
shone a light on some very very interesting um discoveries in my sense in my in my own you know football manager playing that has me rethinking the goalkeeping position now and has made me feel maybe Alban Lafont isn't exactly what I needed for my team. Now Stib's video was the one I watched first. And Stib worked out different percent different metrics and the attributes that affect them. So for example, the goalkeeper save percentage will be affected by their aerial reach, their punt tendency to punch, and their tendency to rush out. So obviously there what we're seeing is save percentage can include a goalkeeper's ability to defuse a situation. Hook a ball out of the air, it's almost counted as a save. In terms of the goals that are conceded, command of area, aerial reach again jumping out, good handling and decision making can help limit the goalkeepers. You know, not the limit the goalkeepers get into the back of the net and pick a ball out. And when you look at expected goals prevented, concentration comes in here, command of area, 1v1s and again tendency to punch. So you're looking at metrics here now where aerial ability seems to stand out an awful lot more than a lot of people may have realised. That although you may want a goalkeeper who's good in the air, when you think of a goalkeeper first up, you think of good handling, you think of good reflexes, you think of their good ability in 1v1 situations. We tend to think of the ground goalkeeping there. So what we really then need to do is have a little rethink here and say, look, the goalkeeper's tendency to punch, to rush out, their area reach and command of area will all play a significant impact on what it is your goalkeeper's metrics are at the end of the season. And if your goalkeeper's metrics are good, your team's metrics are good. If your goalkeeper is performing well, they are giving your team a chance. And it's interesting to see that attributes such as communication, anticipation and positioning don't seem to have a massive impact on the goalkeeping position at all. So if you are needing to make a compromise on a potential new goalkeeping signing, an area which I would have thought was very important with communication doesn't seem to matter much. Anticipation and positioning again, they seem to be attributes that are a little bit more important for those of the other those of the other ten players out on the pitch, defenders in particular. And it was interesting that Zealand kind of came across things as well. Now while Zealand said communication, concentration and acceleration were kind of tier two level attributes, attributes that were important, but were not so important that they be included in the main five for your goalkeeper. It's interesting to see that here Stib found communication didn't have much of a benefit and then Zealand did but again like I said it's a tier two attribute here so if you're looking at communication it potentially is an attribute that you could make that little bit of a compromise on but when it came to Zealand Zealand listed the top five from his testing that showed what it is makes a good goalkeeper. Now this is an FM21. There may be slight changes since then. Three editions on. But nonetheless. It was very similar to what Stib found. Tendency to punch. Strength. Decisions. Balance. And aerial reach. Are the five attributes you need to prioritise. When you are searching for a goalkeeper. When you are assessing a goalkeeper 
and aerial reach here is number one and it ties into what Stib said there that claiming a cross seems to be counted as a save in football manager so if your goalkeeper has good aerial reach or one you're looking at has good aerial reach or you're in a tiebreaker situation between two goalkeepers which do i sign the one with better aerial reach is the best bet initially but making sure that attributes such as balance decisions strength and tendency to punch again another aerial an aerial attribute handling isn't even coming into the question here they are the ones that you need to focus on if you want to develop your goalkeepers best and if you if you want to give yourself the best chance of having a goalkeeper and if you go into the training modules and you want to schedule a goalkeeping training session if you look here shot stopping handling one-on-ones and distribution these are the only sessions in which we can schedule for a goalkeeper now shot stopping impacts attributes such as one-on-ones reflexes anticipation positioning and agility so this will not bring on aerial reach handling handling will because handling will focus on the handling attribute aerial reach concentration and balance and looking at the two lists that you have there balance and aerial reach are both listed by stib and zealand as two major attributes from which you need to focus on with your goalkeeper and it will give you then the ability to develop it with the ones you already have one-on-ones will boost one-on-ones rush the tendency to rush out anticipation decisions and acceleration so looking there at zealand acceleration was an attribute zealand listed in a tier two thing but decision making is there so this decision making can be developed in 1v1s and then finally distribution that looks at first touch kicking passing throwing composure and vision which doesn't really tick any of the boxes here that we need from our goalkeepers so looking here aerial reach is in handling there is no one listing tendency to punch can be developed in your goalkeepers so we'd like to assume that maybe in the handling section tendency to punch by assigning that training module that training session that can help develop goalkeepers strength can be developed in in, in line with all your other players through strength sessions decision making can come in 1v1 and a one-on-one session balance again so that'll be focusing on the physical sessions where you'd be looking at um resistance that'd be a resistance session there and then aerial reach again and a session that can be developed through um handling so while it seems a little bit difficult to really get to grips with the goalkeeping position and statistically analyzing what it is that we need from them to be very simply put we want to look at key attributes and then we want to look at metrics and like that the metrics we need to look at as the game gives us are like we use them as your baseline use them as your guidance so go into your player's profile go into comparison and then look at compare with and then you've got conceded per 90 
assists per 90, pass completion ratio, total saves per 90. Go into your squad view then and just click from the top the pre-made goalkeepers one under stats and you will get save percentage and expected save percentage. And we can list those other ones we've added on. And that can then give you an, an idea of what type of goalkeeper it is that you want to play. What type of goalkeeper it is that suits your needs and the needs of the way you play, the needs of your squad, the needs of your club best. Because the thing is, when you looked at um, Tottenham signing of Guelimo Vicario over the summer, we saw Tottenham bring in a goalkeeper who many were a little bit unsure of. Tottenham had been linked to David Raya and others during the summer. So to bring in this goalkeeper from Empoli, a goalkeeper who had not an awful lot of game time at the elite level, we've seen Tottenham bring in someone who, like that, did not inspire fans. But despite the fact that Tottenham were beaten 4-1 recently in a very strange game against Chelsea, Vicario was standout. Because his role as a sweeper-keeper facilitates Postacoglu's philosophy of playing a high line. And that's something there that we can see in Football Manager. A goalkeeper that facilitates our style of play. Vicario is in a, you know, he has the attributes to be a ball-playing goalkeeper. A goalkeeper who's the 11th man. A goalkeeper who plays the majority of his passes in, a, in less than 20 metres. So again, that's something we can influence that's something we can control that's something we can say in football magic say right play short kicks distribute to fullbacks distribute to wing back or to center backs distribute to playmaker whatever the instruction is that you have building up this goalkeeper who's an 11th player who plays short passes who recycles the ball you've got an option there in someone like Vicari who becomes the 11th player and it's something that like we said has caused the unfortunate demise of goalkeepers like Lloris and De Gea. Because being a shot stopper is no longer enough. Despite the fact when you look at metrics from David De Gea as a goalkeeper, compared to Onana at the same stage last season, De Gea's at his metrics in comparison, he has had a, he's had, he had a better season by this point last year than Onana is having. But again, we're looking at two completely different styles of keeper, two completely different demands. Then comes the difficult question. I'm now in a situation where I have brought in Alban Lafont. I anticipate that Gregor Koble will leave. I expect Gregor Koble to leave. But I also have to be aware there is a very strong possibility that I start my second season with Dortmund with both Gregor Kobel and Alban Lafont in goal. And that then rings true to the David Roy and Aaron Ramsdale situation. Just like Ramsdale, Kobel across the season did not put a foot wrong. He was a strong, dependable goalkeeper who gave us a solid platform to build on. However, in some key matches, Koble made mistakes. There were instances during this first season where a mistake from Koble cost us two points in a draw. And if you look back at my first season in the Bundesliga, 
you look back at that league. I lost last season's league by one point. So the two points dropped in a draw against Stuttgart, for example, because Gregor Kobel made a mistake, cost me the league title. Should I blame Gregor Kobel for that? No, because I drew five and lost five games. And while Kobel's mistake is a reason that we have one win less than we should have, I, as an empathetic goalkeeper, will apportion blame across the whole squad. Because you don't lose five matches just because your goalkeeper had five bad games. You don't draw five matches because your goalkeeper had five clangers. It doesn't make that much of a difference. When a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's hard in one game or the game they've made it in. You'd hope that they make a mistake in a game where you're training up and that one goal, right, look, we don't keep a clean sheet. But at least the mistake, is, as we sometimes say, is out of the system. But like that, Ramsdale, as has anticipated, he knew that his days were numbered after some mistakes. Some goals were conceded that you would have a high expected save percentage. So Raya has now come in and has now while he didn't transition to the number one the way Mark Flecken did at Brentford to replace David Raya himself, Raya transitioned in during the season. And what he's done is he's given Arsenal a different dimension as a goalkeeper to Ramsdale because Raya is an aggressive goalkeeper in terms of his positioning. He takes a higher average position because he looks to claim crosses. However, this higher positioning has been called into question on several occasions this season when goals have been conceded that a more conservative position may have given him a better chance of saving the goal, saving the shots he faced. Newcastle most recently, the Chelsea game, Sevilla, the Haaland chance against Man City. You look at Raya there and you say, could he have done better? Could if he, it was his positioning right? And the thing, of course, is we have to understand the influence in Raya's game of his decision-making and his confidence. Unlike we spoke about there with Zealand and Stibbs' um, research into football manager goalkeepers, decision-making does have a high impact on the performance of a goalkeeper, as does aerial reach and tendency to punch. So in a football manager sense, you look at David Raya, and straight away you're kind of saying, he's aggressive, he claims crosses, he makes good decisions, he doesn't tend to punch much. He claims most of the time. But there we see a strong goalkeeper with good decisions and good in the air. But of course, as was alluded to by Mikel Arteta, to the media anyway, that it was a position that he intended to rotate. You have to be aware of the sensitivity of rotating the goalkeeper. Because a goalkeeper plays off rhythm. A goalkeeper gets better the more games he plays. It's like a lot of other positions. But when that one position is settled across the team, a natural rotation occurs elsewhere. You give your team the best opportunity to succeed. So when you are assembling that goalkeeping room in your club, I have taken a risk, very, very unlike me, of having two number ones ready to play 
and now having a goalkeeper room of four goalkeepers. But like that, I am hoping and anticipating, like Brentford, that the goalkeeper I had will move on. Now, and in just like David Raya's case, that my goalkeeper will move, take a step up and move to a, a slightly more elite club. I will move for a sum of money that I, a club of my stature can't turn down for their goalkeeper. But should Colby move on, that leaves me in a situation that I have my perfect goalkeeping room. That I have exactly what I want and what I need. I have a number one in the prime of his career, Alban Lafon, starting this season at the age of 25. Then with two backups, a 23-year-old Marcel Lotka, a good goalkeeper who might not have the acquired ability or potential to be a Bundesliga goalkeeper, but is certainly a capable deputy, especially when cup matches are called into question. And then an experienced goalkeeper. In this case, it will be 33-year-old Alexander Meyer. A player surplus to requirements, as my club, as my coaches say. But in terms of the goalkeeping position, it's one that we need to understand and realise that in a football manager, we assess it differently, just like it is in real life. And despite the fact that 52, nearly 53% of listeners to this podcast don't ever use metrics assessing the goalkeeper, and when people do, it's expected goal to prevent it. It's nice to consider that metrics are there in football manager for us to assess. It's just like that we need to have greater understanding and clarity of how they are generated, I feel. But I'll give the final word there. I'm going to finish with this point Ronaldo made in response to that poll I ran last week. I haven't had the chance to delve into it much this year. But the keeper metrics have looked questionable in the past. I still tend to look at them and try to base signings on the stats, but a lesser extent than other positions with more and perhaps more reliable metrics. And I have to agree there. Because now I think we're at a point in football manager where people want to embrace the metrics. People want to use football manager in a way that the game is capable of being played attributeless stats based but we need reliable stats and we need clear communication from football manager we need clear indications of how these metrics are generated and the importance of each because like that the unreliability of knowing aerial dominance of a goalkeeper influences saves percentage that can skew things completely that you could have a six foot eight goalkeeper and a five foot eleven goalkeeper, different profiles. Goalkeeper who's five foot eleven is agile, nimble, and makes fantastic saves. Six foot eight goalkeeper doesn't make many saves, but dominates his area through catches. It's very hard to equate them there and say they both have the same save percentage. Which of these do I sign? Now there's links to loads of articles I've read down below. Links that refer to goalkeeping in real life and links that refer to goalkeeping in Football Manager. So if you want to get a little bit more au fait with the nuances of the very different position on the pitch, feel free to check those links out below. And if you have any questions, give me a shout. Absolutely, I'd love to kind of have a discussion with you about the area of goalkeeping. 
We will be moving on, of course, and continuing our podcast, Flow and FM24, into next week. Hopefully I'll have more updates on my save to begin to talk to you about. Very nearly buckled this week and brought off Football Manager 24, or subscribed to Apple Arcade. Then I realised it's gone up to €8, Euro, seven, €7 Euro a month. So €84 Euro a year to play Football Manager Touch. I don't think so. So looking through now, I have a nice long list of potential new episodes. I have to sit down here now and see where would I go from here? What would I going to do? Plenty of ideas. If you've any, send them in to me there below. And you'll see polls appearing in the very near future as I begin to prepare for next week's episode. So that'll be a spoiler as to what we'll be talking about. So once I've decided, check out the polls, get involved in the conversation, and we'll talk again next week. But thank you very much for listening. I've been Gaffer Graymo. Talk to you again soon. Bye now.